0: Are we recording? Is this thing on? Yes, it is. Welcome to RevOps 500, where we invite the world's top marketers to answer the tough questions facing growing organizations. Oh, sounds important. I'm Sajil Qureshi. And I'm Gil Banks. Join us as we dive deep into the world of RevOps. We'll be learning strategies and expertise from first-hand experience. RevOps 500 is sponsored by Computam. They provide technical and development expertise to growth-focused marketing. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Sanjeev Kureshi here with another episode of RevOps 500. Uh, today, we have a very, very special guest that I'm really, really excited to be talking with. Uh, you know, she's a supportive leader. She has a special talent for building up talented teams. She's a mentor. She's kind. She's courageous. Uh, she was granted the MB Women's Leadership Program Award in 2017, and She used to work at, at Profile by Sanford as a CMO, and now she's co-founder of Jotter. Brooke Fitz, welcome to RevOps 500.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're excited that you're here. Uh, So anyways, let's, uh, let's just get right into it, Brooke. So the first question I'm going to ask you is what is one RevOps myth?
1: You know, in the past several years working with franchise businesses and as it relates specifically to RevOps, I feel so many uh, business owners are really looking for kind of that magic formula with RevOps. You know, tell me uh, what CRM I need. Tell tell me how much money I should be spending in advertising. Tell me um, what should my customer support and... um, Uh, ABM uh, activity be in order to get some of that residual customer feedback. Um, And at the end of the day, I think there isn't a magic formula. Um, It's different for every business. And one thing that I feel is always missing from maybe that thought process or the myth is, is the actual people who should be helping me with these things. Um, and so I think that that's really a myth is when, when, um, entrepreneurs and, and business owners sit down to kind of build up that rep ops, um, process and, and business line. I think that oftentimes, uh, the who is left out and we're so focused on the what. And so, um, and it's going to be different for everyone. Uh, you know, when you bring in someone who's really strong on, um, on your, uh, business development side, um, I think that that process might look a little bit different than if you bring um, some digital marker marketers in that are really strong or a really strong head of customer support. And so I think that that process and that um, kind of setup within the RevOps looks a little bit different for every business. So I don't believe there's a magic bullet. I think um, every situation is unique, um, but I do think what's always missing from the conversation is the who versus the what. So,
0: so Brooke, Let's let's talk about that a bit. So you're saying the who is missing. Are you are you mean like the like the people on the RevOps team itself or who who are is that I kind of thing? Or
1: the type of people. And so um, when we look at we know we need these resources, um, but oftentimes I think we forget to look at maybe the the who they are um is important, how they want to work is important. Um, how are we gonna maintain the who's in those roles? Because in today's marketplace our people have proven that it's the most valuable part of, of our red And I think that when we take that out of the equation and kind of uh, pitch and pull them into, I need this resource versus I need someone who wants to be part of the team. And I need somebody who wants to be part of this end outcome. And I wanna uh, structure my business in a way that makes them um, a part of that process versus making them a resource of the process, if that makes sense.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, so having the ownership over the over the goal of revamps, whatever it is, and and are you saying that that is more important than even like the skills of the person, like it, just having the ownership of it all?
1: Yeah, in my opinion, I think skills can be taught. Um, I think it's what what business owners I feel should be looking for kind of that missing piece is is the type of individual. How do they want to work? Um, how do they want to be part of the end outcome of what we're trying to accomplish? Um, you know, what, what type of work environment do they work best in, and how can I structure my robots to support that versus the other way around? Because at the end of the day, some of these resources will just continue to churn and churn and churn if we don't kind of flip it on its head and say, okay, who do I actually want in these roles?
0: And how do I make the business work for them? Got it. Wow. That's a that's an interesting way to look at it. That yeah, people always think about process or technology, but not necessarily the the who is involved on the team and, and those sorts of things. So let, let I mean, let us talk about, you know, Jotter or some of the things that you were doing at Profile by Sanford. I mean, what, what kept you what keeps you up at night technically right now in RevOps? Is there, is there some sort of like, you know, technical issues that, you know, you just kind of are constantly battling with regularly? Yeah, you so know. Let me sit on that
1: a little bit. Yeah, I have a, a fintech background. I uh, got started in fintech uh, over 15 years ago, and uh, really Rich. on the payment side, um, in helping fintech entrepreneurs get their businesses spun up. Worked in the credit space um, as well. Worked uh, starting building products um, there uh, when I was just getting my teeth cut in the industry. Um, and here I am 18 years later, and I would say the one thing that probably keeps me up at night is the payments uh, portion of, of our model. <laughs> um, you know, we, you would think we'd have it figured out by now. Um, but I think what it comes down to is there's so many options. Um, it's expensive to do, the cost of business is expensive. Um, and then integration, right? Like when we're looking at our tech stacks, what's the best uh, kind of uh, robots from end to end, right? Wh- what's the best integration platforms and, and how can I make them work the best together? Um, and again, I think it, that comes back to the who, who can I have work alongside me as part of these decisions uh, to make sure that it's not just me in a silo in that um, I'm coming at it from um, a, a thoughtful place and in mm-hmm. one that has other experience feeding into those decisions. So the things that keep me up at night, are, I think, are definitely on that backside, that payment side, making sure, um, you know, that not only from a business and a margin perspective, we're being um, thoughtful, but the end consumer and making sure that our clients are feeling cared for, um, that it's not confusing, that we're making it very easy for them. Um, I I also always say, I want it to be easy for them to quit. If I make it easy for them to quit, I think it's real easy to also come back. Um, and so making sure that as part of our strategy, that we're very thoughtful and you know what, if we're, if we're not living up to our end of the bargain, how can we make this a good experience for the customer as they exit so that hopefully, um, when we have things in a better light, that's that we can get them back and make that just as easy. So um, I think it's definitely that 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 back end that payment side recurring payments um, is something that that we're looking to just get spun up here um, to get jotter uh, piloted which is a social media platform where we right. help small businesses write content um, build content on their social platforms um, which I felt was missing in the marketplace there's so many great social media platforms and I have worked with so many great digital teams over the years um, but it's almost getting to the point where you need a scientist to run um, our yeah. programs, and I wanted something to be easy for for an everyday person or an everyday social media marketer, um, as well as those entrepreneurs in fintech, um, as well as in franchising. Uh, there's a lot on the back of those uh, of those business owners, and I wanted to provide a solution that would be easy for them um especially when those franchisors are spending so much money of providing great content great resources great assets for them to execute in their local markets but yet it falls to the wayside it's at the bottom of their to-do list so wanted to uh, seek out a solution that could help them actually execute um because i think that that over 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 i'm hearing it again it's not that there's not enough tools out there it's not that there's not enough information on how to do this it really comes down to the end of the day, I don't have time to execute all of the things, um, in these types of small business miles. And so I wanted to, to make it easy. And, and my business partner and I set out to, uh, make that easy through, through building Jotter, which is a social media platform, uh, built for small and medium-sized businesses to execute their social media on their behalf. Um, so, Uh, when we set out to look at how how we could sleep at night for the payment side, uh, we just started off piloting with invoicing. It was the easiest, simplest way to do it. We know it's clunky from our end. We know it's not ideal uh, on the client side. And so we're trying to ramp up that recurring payments uh, portion of our business um, to kind of round out our pilot period here in the next 90 days.
0: So, yeah, that's kind of a a nice... uh... A nice thing because rev you're trying to tie in you know sales marketing customer success and if you have you know then the commerce part gets lost is what you're trying to say right you know where you know people say oh yeah you can buy something maybe but can you can you can you buy more can you get out easy can you not do it and yeah and payments sometimes gets missed because it, it is a technical thing you have to add that in and different payment models payment types you talked about recurring payments like with jodder you're trying to do uh, maybe it could be like a one-off thing too you know, it could be lots of different types of services that you're offering, right? So there's different kinds of payments in there. So yeah, tying that back into a Rabob strategy is something to, to consider. So h- how are you, how are you getting through that? I mean, are, are you, do you have payments set up Are you have some of it? You mentioned it's clunky to start with. What is, what is the plan?
1: Yeah. So we're uh, really starting to um, kind of discern on the, the, platform to client platform uh, that we want to land with. So I've narrowed it down to three because there are lots out there. Um, and so we're rounding out those conversations this week. Um, really looking at then some of those payment gateways. Um, there's narrowed it really down to two stripes at the top of the list. Sure. I, you know, And and it's also just looking at, is is there a way where there's better margin um, on the payment site too? Because um, it is expensive. It's expensive to do business. So um, just kind of looking at and crunching those numbers. And then also then on the technical side, making sure that um, we have a sound platform that can be integrated with our existing platform uh, to make sure that our client has a good seamless experience through kind of jumping through these different portals and platforms, making it seamless for them.
0: Got it. Yeah. So I mean, like that's, uh, you know, those, that's you know, just, you know, you're in the decision phase. I mean, you you know, you talked about some payment providers and those sorts of things. It looks like, you know, you're you're getting pretty close on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're getting real close. Um, like I said, uh, business doesn't stop for these decisions. And so, so we're getting by, by invoicing and it's working out just fine on the back end, but we know Uh we can get that client experience so much better. And then operationally, um, just having that recurring payments part of your business is is so vital just to keep the wheels moving and, and to keep things moving quickly.
0: So now Brooke, when you talk about like adding commerce into, into RevOps, now you're, you're kind of at the tail end of this process now. I mean, what would you, what would you tell businesses, you know, doesn't matter if they're a small mid-market enterprise, how could they tie in, you know, like something like purchasing in like a rev op strategy?
1: Yeah. So I think really, um, not doing it in a style, it can get overwhelming really fast when you're looking at all of the options that are out there. There's a lot of tools. There's a lot of platforms um, and I think based on your size of business, based on, um, what your budget looked like, those, those are all pieces um, of that process. Um, but it gets overwhelming really fast. So I would suggest there's, um, uh, several, um, other tools out there, uh, other, uh, websites that actually do some of that work for you. So Mm -hmm. um, or hiring somebody. Um, we also did, um, hire some research folks to come in and actually look at that competitive landscape. What were, what were the tools that our competitors were using? Is there anything that we could learn from those platforms? Um, what are they charging? Obviously, um, in making sure that we were making, um, we were understanding where we were fitting in that competitive landscape. Um, and then taking some of the tools that our competitors were using is a good place to start. Um, and then looking at those competitions. So um, breaking it down in that, that's a, an easier, quick way to kind of find out where, where you fit in that market. Um, if you are using, for example, uh, if you're a bigger company and you need some of those bigger platforms, I will just use um, um, a Mailchimp, a HubSpot on that on that front end side, mm-hmm. uh, Salesforce. Um, if you're a larger company and are using those those common SaaS tools, um, yeah. it's real easy right out of the gate to understand where that fits in your budget, understanding sure. what types of resources I'm going to need to help run uh, those platforms. Uh, but at the end of the day, if if you're not in that space and you're really just starting off as an entrepreneur and small business, um, you got to get a little bit more scrappy um, and and try and look for those tools that maybe the competition is using and start there and then uh, look to see what other platforms are kind of in that same space.
0: Got it. And yeah. So, so cross like
1: big guys right out of the gate, right? They're tried, they're true, they're proven, but at the end of the day, might not necessarily fit for your business model.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I mean yeah, it's just, you know, kind of doing your diligence, making sure you got the right fit for the right budget is very important. So those are all yeah, really solid tips for anybody going through that process, I'd imagine. Let's 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 talk about the the future of you know of, of RevOps a little bit. I mean, what what uh where do you where do you see like where do you see this this whole this whole thing heading? Like, I mean, this whole RevOps revolution, if you want to call it that. Where do you see that where do you see it heading?
1: You know, I think digital digital is where it's at. Um, I think there's going to have to be better integrations instead of all of these um, kind of one-off silos of each of your marketing, sales, support. I think more integration, more seamless integration. Um, I've been in organizations where those um, processes and systems are built natively. Um, I've seen that work really well, um, but it also comes with its pain points too. You're then dependent on your own dev resources to make sure that that flow from uh, all the way from sales to customer support um, is seamless. Um, so you're so you're then dependent on internal resources, and we know how challenging that has been. To again, it goes back to the who, making sure you have the who. Um, not just the what. what. Um, and so I've seen that work real well. Um, I I do believe SaaS um it, it is the future. I think chat GPT has put us in a, a new evolution of of where these things are going. And I think it's only gonna help um escalate um the resources being better, being more efficient. Um, in building out some of these systems and processes, and so when we talk about um, customer experience and how Red Ops plays in that customer experience, I, I can see Chat GPT definitely being a big part of the future of building out mm. that experience. Um, I've actually experienced uh, some customer support that I know was built up a Chat GPT, and it was some of the best customer support and experience. It made me feel loved, and and I knew it was coming from
0: a bot. <laughs> from, um, <laughs>
1: But it, it was sometimes almost better than that, that, that true human experience, right? So there's more control. Um, there's a little bit more control over that customer experience when you're using those tools. Um, so I love that we can make it feel more human. I love that we can provide a better customer experience. Some of the chat bots I think um, have, have gone by the wayside um, unless they start using and evolving with some of what ChatGPT is bringing or just rehumanizing really humanizing the experience because I think customers are expecting that now.
0: Yeah, it's almost like what you're saying is a, you have this future where it's, it's a lot more digital and you have your, obviously, you know, you have your artificial intelligence, which can kind of help you with support 24-7, 365, something like a ChatGPT you can build on top of that. Then you put the humans on top of it who, who kind of will train that you know, that, that bot, you know, to, to kind of do what you needed to do. Exactly. And so, yeah, that's, that's a, that's an interesting thing. I mean, yeah, to see how something like ChatGBT will play into RevOps. Cause you know, it is, it is sales, marketing, customer success. You can plug that all in and make it work. Right. I mean, that's, that's definitely something. Oh right, yeah. So, I mean, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about you now, Brooke. I mean, like tell tell kind of take us back. You know, how, how did you get started in, I mean, obviously, you know, probably started in marketing then evolved into, into RevOps. Now you're, now you're starting your own. You're in your own startup now, you're kind of bootstrapping things. I mean, how, how did you get started in this? You know, how, how did we get to where we are now?
1: Sure, I mean, sure. yeah, I had a Pretty colorful background. So, <laughs> um, I, just, I, I did start off um, in marketing, I started off with a small advertising agency, um, cut my teeth there, moved over to the payment side and really started, um, building out, uh, credit and payment products. Um, so I designed the backend system. So when customers would log into their credit or banking accounts, um, I would design those systems. And so oh, nice. I, um, understanding a lot about information architecture, user experience, digital experience. So I kind of got in at the beginning of, of that uh, UX evolution, um, just getting started. And so I learned a lot there. Um, then uh, went over it, it to a very true startup. Um, the company that I was working for had divested the credit part of our division and that group then went, found on um, Angel Investor and essentially we were developing a product to compete against our former product that we had built. So, wow. um, so went true startup day one, we're buying desks, computers, toilet paper. Um, and so I got <laughs> that experience, wor- got to wear a lot of hats. I was a marketing manager, but doing all the things, so. Um, really great experience. I, I could recommend working for a startup for anyone. It just, you learn so much. So yeah. I was very, very uh, thankful that I had that opportunity. Worked very closely with development teams um, to to build out these digital products. Worked very closely with, um, you know, the, the email and the ESP providers, uh, lead drips. I mean, it was really at the beginning of that evolution um, when people were just trying to figure out how do we get people online uh, to our products and services. So learned a lot through that process. Uh, then I moved over to um, leading product development for a company called carsforsale.com. Um, and so just another, they had a lot of homegrown um, systems and tools in place, um, but didn't have a lot of the people and processes. And so then I get to help um, build a leadership team, build um, uh, requirements for products, help uh, evolutionize their products. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, from there, I then went over to run operations for another payments uh, uh, system, um, startup payment system for a bank out of Kansas City. Um, so, again, a lot of color, went from marketing to product development, now uh, leading operations on the payment side. Um, and from there, I went uh, to help um, one of the largest health organizations in the Midwest, yes. Stanford Health um build their um digital and creative team and so leading kind of wow. uh, the creative experience over at this healthcare system uh from there they had a a, a franchise uh health and wellness franchise called profile by sanford and asked me to come over and in and, in and lead that crew um so was a chief marketing officer over there for a few years during covid which was interesting uh but was fortunate yeah. to, get to work with franchisees all over the country had a great experience in in understanding their business and and trying to help them um, from not only a a big brand experience, but also in those local markets. So learned a lot, um, was great. Um, And then when Samper decided to divest Profile um, last year, I decided uh, that I was going to uh, start a consulting business. And then through that process, my business partner and I found that There was a gap in the market for um, executing social media for small businesses. And so then set out to uh, develop a a system and a process and a service that could help them. Um, And that's how Jotter came to life.
0: Wow. So, I mean, that is a, that story is, you know, long winding and so many different roles. I mean, which which is, which is nice. I mean, you know, know, you've done, like you said, you've done, you've done marketing, you've done product development, you've, you've got user acquisition background, startups, you know, large probably more bureaucratic organizations too. I mean, you know, like, so you you kind of run the you've run the gamut as they say, right? So I mean like that's and now you now you've got your now now you got your own your own startup, which you kind of you are know, kind of the co-founder of. So that's uh that is interesting. So like I mean how is how is how is it different, you know, running your own place now versus being in those other types of of roles? Are are you feeling like more like you were back in the startup time in your career? Or are you feeling more like how, 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 what's the vibe like for you on a daily basis?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, probably well, first of all, it's it's different not getting a paycheck, <laughs> but, um, you know, and that's part of the process, right? Is it, diving in and, and being okay with that situation. And I knew what I was signing up for when I went this route. So, um, which makes you know, it's kind of one of those things that if it's exciting It makes you sick at the same time, it's probably the <laughs> right thing. Um, and so it, it's, it's exciting. Uh, But I also think what's a little bit different is because of all of the experience I've had, not only with startups, but in that corporate environment, um, my network has expanded so much. And so that's also important is when you are in a startup space, you you have to have a network of folks that you can reach out to, um, folks that uh, can help you make connections. Um, And so I think that that's really important. And so having the competence that not only um, do I have, I've had experience in building products and building businesses, but really, um, you know, making sure that I felt comfortable and competent enough that we had a network as, of folks and businesses that we could reach out to and knew that we had a product that was viable to help them. So I think I, definitely having that network of folks um, this, this far in my career and, and I think uh, that corporate experience definitely helped make sure that I had a wide network of folks that I could work with and reach out to.
0: Yeah. So, you know, you have your, you you know, you probably have a, a ton of different types of, of resources that you can kind of pull on people. You can pull out in different shapes and sizes, you know, if it's a startup, maybe it's like a different kind of, kind of people that you work with then. Then if you're in corporate, corporate marketing, it's a very different type of type of resources that you probably have access to. But yeah, having them both gives you a lot of flexibility and, you know, you build products. So that's a different kind of skill set that you have. And the people know so yeah i mean that's that's that should should help on paper you know it should help help you get that those paychecks when they come in or something like that
1: <laughs> i know so i think industry is important too i've worked i yeah. you know typically you see a lot of folks just kind of stay in one lane and, and from an industry because that's where your network is at um i actually have been fortunate to bounce around a little bit from uh payments and fintech um agency world um automotive digital acquisition, um, healthcare. And so I also think working in different industries is very helpful. Um, Not only do you learn something new, but you can usually share some of those lessons learned um, with the folks that maybe don't always,
0: because
1: you don't typically see them engaged across those industry lines. But I think it's very important that we do oftentimes we go to user groups that's about our industry but sometimes i think it's really helpful to kind of get outside of our industry to actually learn um so i, I think that that's also been helpful is that i've i've been able to work in different industry and business lines
0: yeah so you, you kind of see how how the game is played in different yeah. different 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 worlds right i mean you know marketing cars is very very different than marketing you know hospitals or healthcare, right? Which it's just <laughs> way different, you know, sold differently. Buying process is different. Maybe it's a bit more stereotypically, more aggressive and more in your face, business to consumer, you know, those sorts of things. And then, yeah, you go to healthcare, which is much more passive and probably a bit more buttoned up and you know, it's a little bit more corporate-y. So, I mean, but yeah, if you, if you, know, both, you can speak the language of both and know when to, when to, when to, to, to apply one school of thought, when maybe to apply the other, right?
1: And I ask that the regulatory environments in each of those industries are very different, especially in financial services. So uh, I do have to be careful going from one to the next that I'm not kind of holding on to those kind of regulatory things in my mind. You know, in the digital space, it's all kind of the same. Uh, But when you get down into those industries, there are some unique, obviously, nuances, Healthcare, you got to think about HIPAA and financial services. You got to think about risk and fraud. And so, um, you know, they'll helpful I always have to keep that a little bit in check that we can do things a little bit differently on both sides of the lines.
0: Yeah. And then now that you're starting your own place, I mean, you know, there are no, I mean, there are some regulatory, you know, things depending on who your clients are, but you know, it's yes. probably not as, probably not as much as like, you know, something like, you know, OMVIC or like you know, some sort of like, de- yeah. you know, like you know, dealership regulation or fintech sector or something like that, or, or HIPAA. It's probably a little bit different.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely is. and. In this space, which is interesting when it comes to like social content, um, I think it's good to know that when we're marketing for uh, on behalf of a healthcare system or on behalf of um, you know a bank, that we have those things in mind. Um, obviously, you know, not bringing actual um, patient information in or client information in the mix, but keeping keeping the information at a level that that keeps everybody safe um, is it, definitely good to have in your back pocket when you're. Yep um, soliciting to help them with their social media.
0: All right. So Brooke, take, take me back. Like say, let's, let's go back in the past. So when you were like in, you know, in your, in your, in your like education days, like, you know, your formative years, what would you tell yourself, say 15 years ago, 10, 15, 20 years ago, what would you, what kind of advice would you give yourself going through this whole process knowing what you know now?
1: I I think, um, for sure, when I started off, I think I was, so my background was in multimedia web development.
0: Oh, okay. uh,
1: digital changed so fast. I, I, I wasn't quite expecting how quickly the evolution of of the web uh, would impact my career. Uh, and so I think that when I set out in my mind thinking that, oh, I'm going to help develop web- websites and build out uh, digital experiences online, I'm going to help technical teams um, and grow my my career through um, technical teams um, is, is really where I thought I was going to grow. Um, and so I, I think um, being more adaptable and understanding that um, even though I had set out on this path, that um, my path would actually go in a very different way. Um, and just maybe embracing that a little bit more that um, I had to learn new skills outside of what, um, I was trained in, in order to be diversified in the changing environment. And so that was really important. Um, you know, and that, and I, and I did have to learn that along the way like, I'm not just, a, a web designer, right. I'm I I've got to, I've got to learn email. I've got to learn a uh, print design. That one was hard for me coming from a digital background. I got to yeah. learn design. I've got to, um, I've got to learn how to work with people. I've got to learn how to build teams. Um, and so I think just understanding that, um, more of a head was that in, in, what I was trained in, um, you know, went a very different path. And I think had, had I raced that a little bit sooner, I think I could have been more of a sponge and kind of picking up, um, where, where, how quickly I could have, uh, transgressed through that process. Um, but looking back, I, I'm glad I went through it. I'm glad that, uh, I kind of had those speed bumps along the way, because, um, it did help me grow and it forced me to grow in other areas that I didn't necessarily, uh, that I wasn't necessarily educated in.
0: Got it. So, I mean, just kind of, uh, you look at it more from like, you know, you could diversify yourself a bit more, but you know, no regrets, things happen for a reason, you know, all those sorts of things. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair for most people, right? You know, if they if they probably would go back and tell them to pick up a couple more skills or maybe embrace some different things. And then, but, of course, you know most people don't live don't live with the regret either because you know it's can't you don't have a time machine, nobody does right okay, so right. It's, that's right all right, so now, I mean, like, what about like what about outside of work? I mean, I know, I know you obviously know you're starting a business, you're at the kind of at the forefront of, of of everything i mean do do you do you have time outside of work? Do you make time for yourself outside of things? I mean, do you have that ability, that luxury at the moment or
1: you know i do I will say since I've gone on my own, obviously, um my time is a little bit more my time in terms of. When I'm going to turn it on, when I'm going to turn it off, which which I love, um, it's been great for my family. Um, I've got three kiddos. Um, I've
0: got
1: a 15 year old, an 11 year old, and a six year old, and they're all very very active. And so, um, when I'm not working, uh, which I love, um, I'm usually at their activities. Um, and and my husband also he's he's very busy. Um, he travels for his job, and so um, just you know we we pick up the pieces. We're a great time team, and. Um, really just, I, I spent a lot of time with my family and going to all my kids' ball events and, um, uh, just kind of soaking up this time because I know it's short-lived. So, um, enjoy, enjoying time with my family outside of work for sure.
0: Yeah. And that's always the toughest thing when you're starting a business or running it, you know, you just making that time is almost impossible. So I mean, like that's uh it's good that you're making, it's good that you're making time for it. Uh, so, you know, Brooke, where, where can people learn more about you, your story? I mean, where, where can they, where can they connect with you? Yeah.
1: No, I appreciate that. Um, so uh, I LinkedIn is probably the best place to to learn about me. I'm actually in the process of, of getting my LinkedIn profile revamped um, with the launch of Jotter, which um, within the next 60, 90 days, we should be uh, making it an announcement and really getting a big push out there to let people know who we are and who we can help. Uh, so definitely on LinkedIn, you can find me, Brooke Fitz, F-I-T-T-S. Um, and you can check out Jotter. Um, it's jodde com.
0: All right, that's perfect. And you know, just uh, really appreciate you coming in and you know, breaking bed with us a little bit on 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 RevOps for you know different kinds of businesses. You know, the thinking about the who versus the what in RevOps, You know, that's been a, that was a that was a huge you know eye opener just for for me. And I hope that you know you had a you had a good time on the show too. Uh, just really appreciate you making the time, Brooke, to to come in and, and chat with us today.
1: Thank you. I think RevOps, um, this is great content. I'm, I'm glad you're getting it out there. For, so thanks for all the work that you do.
0: Appreciate it. Yeah, Oh, of course. And yeah, if, if anybody listening, if you guys learned something today or, or maybe laughed a little, you know, just, yeah, give someone else a, a shout, tell them about the podcast. And yeah, that's it. Uh, so thanks again, Brooke, for, for coming on.
1: Yeah, thank you so
0: much. This has been another exciting episode of RevOps 500, and we'll see everybody next time. And that wraps up another episode of RevOps 500 thanks for joining for show notes and other episodes visit us at revops500.com revops 500 is sponsored by computer providing technical and development expertise to growth focused marketing.